and good evening. Welcome to this special Outbeat Extra edition of Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, tonight we're going to start a two-part series, an update, if you will, on HIV prevention, testing, and treatment. And we're going to start out with a conversation with Miranda Patrick. She is a public health nurse with the Sonoma County Department of Health Services. We're going to be talking about HIV, but maybe from an angle that you wouldn't expect. We're going to be talking about women's health tonight. And women may not have been the first group of people you would think would get HIV tested. But in fact, they should. And so we're going to talk about that and all of those reasons why right after your Outbeat Radio News coming up for this Sunday, April 29th, 2018. This is Greg Moralia with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of April 29th, 2018. The White House announced this week that it plans to roll back a rule that banned discrimination against transgender people in health care. The Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, banned hospitals, doctors, and insurance companies from discriminating on the basis of several categories, including sex, if they received federal money. Most health care providers receive some form of federal funding. Citing previous federal court rulings, a 2006 rule issued by the Department of Health and Human Services said that the ban on sex discrimination in the Affordable Care Act extended to discrimination based on gender stereotypes and discrimination against women who had abortions, as well as transgender people. The Trump administration is set to roll back that rule, saying it will interfere with health care providers, quote, religious freedom, and that the Affordable Care Act never meant to protect transgender people's rights. The change will make it much harder for transgender people to access health care. Before the rule was enacted, health insurers often refused to cover expenses related to transitioning, calling them, quote, cosmetic or, quote, experimental. The Obama administration said that such policies were outdated and not based on current standards of care. Several months later, a federal judge in Texas issued an injunction against the rule. The judge wrote, plaintiffs will be forced to either violate their religious beliefs or maintain their current policies, which seem to be in direct conflict and risk severe consequences of enforcement. Earlier this year, the Trump administration created an office in the Health and Human Services Department specifically to advocate for health care workers who say their religious freedom has been violated. And several religious organizations were behind the lawsuit against the Obama administration's transgender health care protections. And here in California, conversion therapy has been declared a fraudulent practice by the California State Assembly with its passage of Gay Assemblyman Evan Lowe's Assembly Bill 2943. The Assembly passed the bill earlier this week in a bipartisan vote of 50 to 18. The bill outlaws conversion therapy for adults in California and defines it as fraud under the state's consumer protection laws. This is an extension of a 2012 law that banned the practice in minors. The bill now makes its way to the California State Senate. And finally, LGBTQ Nation reported that Disney Parks just released Rainbow Mickey Mouse ears just in time for Pride Month. Mickey Mouse ears are a fun hat to wear at Disney parks, and usually they're black with a Disney logo in the middle. The new pride ears are rainbow colors with a red cap. Instead of the more common logo, there are two gloved hands making a rainbow heart. The ears are being sold at Disneyland and Disney World. A spokesman for Disney said that it will be available through Disney's site and app, but is currently not listed. Fans are already trying on the new rainbow ears. For a calendar of LGBT events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. And for all the LGBT news headlines we're following, go to our website at OutbeatNews.com. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. Right. Well, since the beginning of the AIDS crisis, gay men have always been the target of campaigns promoting prevention, testing, and treatment for HIV. And more recently, we've changed that language to target men who have sex with men. But I don't know about you, I haven't seen anything directed at women. And so tonight, that's what we're going to be focusing on. Um, I have three co-hosts tonight from Napa Valley College. They're students in the LGBTQ studies program there, and their capstone project has been focused on health and specifically women's health around HIV. Um, And they have arranged to have 
a guest from the Sonoma County Department of Health Services, a nurse, Miranda Patrick. Uh, and so let's start out by going around the room and just having each of you introduce yourselves. We'll start with a student co-host first. So go ahead and tell us your name and your major and maybe why you're interested in LGBT studies. Um, yeah, my name is Eva, and um, this is my first class at Napa Valley College. I'm actually still in high school, so yeah, I'm just taking a couple classes on the side. Um, I don't know. I just haven't heard a lot of, you know, history around LGBTQ, uh, like history, and I wanted to learn a lot more, so that's why I'm here. Excellent. Perfect. Um, my name is Dahlia, and I'm taking the LGBT class just to be, just to be a little bit more informed about it. Um, I just really want to be able to know more, and if anyone, I don't think a lot of people are very informed about it, so I want to be able to know a little bit more, you know? Great. And what, just out of curiosity, what spurred your interest to take on this particular topic for your capstone project, women's health? Mm, my goodness. Um, I don't know, I'm feeling a little stuck with that question. Okay, okay. All right. Sorry. Steve? Hello, uh, my name is Steven, and my major is criminal justice, and I took this class to uh, to learn more about the LGBT community and uh, probably use it in the future in, in the law enforcement. Great. We definitely need a lot more interest from law enforcement in the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. And then our fourth co-host is... My name's Katie. Um, I took this class just because I thought it was interesting, right? It just seemed like an interesting class to take, so that's why I took it, and I don't have a major, so. All right. Okay. Well, welcome. And then our special guest tonight, our subject matter expert, Randa Patrick from the Sonoma County Department of Health Services. Welcome. Hi. Thanks. Glad to be here. So tell us, you, you told me before we went on the air that you're relatively new to the job? Yeah, I'm uh, new with uh, public health with Sonoma County, um, but um, my whole career as a nurse has been with public health um, in various different roles. Um, the, uh, the last was in Butte County, also with communicable disease. Um, so you just get to hear a lot about a lot of different diseases and it's really interesting to figure out how to treat them and then educate those people on their various conditions. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you here tonight and our amazing students are going to ask you some questions around HIV and so let's get to it. So yeah, um, we wanted to start with like a couple of basic questions just to, um, you know, start with some people who might not know anything. So yeah, we just wanted to ask what is HIV for people who might not know? Yeah, so HIV stands for Human Immunodeficiency Virus. Um, So uh, once a person is exposed and infected with the virus, then that virus attacks their immune cells, so those cells that fight off disease and other viruses. Um, So right when the person gets the virus, um, it attacks the cells, and then kind of your body adjusts and kind of goes back to a level of normal. Um, but if you never get that diagnosed, then you don't know how to have it. You don't know you have it. Uh, you don't take your medications. Um, and the, the virus just continues to eat away at your immune system till you pretty much have nothing left. And at that point, um, any kind of regular bacteria that you or I would just fight off in a minute can actually kill somebody with um, HIV that has progressed to AIDS. Perfect. Nice. Um, how can, just another question, how can HIV, how can we prevent it? Um, HIV uh, is spread through um, blood and bodily fluids, so you need to protect yourself from getting exposed to those. Um, so uh, using a condom with sex um, any type of sex. Um, if you're uh, someone that uses intravenous drugs, you want to definitely be um, using your own needles, definitely not even um, what you make your drugs with. Uh, the works is what they call it. You don't even want to share those um, because it can be contaminated with someone's blood. And that's a way that someone can get um Exposed, And then also um, women, uh, since that's the topic of tonight, um, women that aren't um, properly medicated can um, actually pass it to their unborn child if they're pregnant with the baby. Yeah. And even if it's not while they're um, 
the baby's in utero, it can actually be during birth or even after. With breast, right? yeah, breast yeah. milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plus being a little bit more informed about it. I feel like every, I feel people don't really get tested as much as they should when they get a new like sex, sex partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, really important. Yeah, and it makes it tough too because with um, HIV, you actually have to have had it for at least three months for the test to really show up really well. There are newer tests that can show it as soon as six weeks, um, but those aren't as widely spread used. So it shows in your body after three months, you said? Right. Your the your body starts to make antibodies at three months, but there's also markers that are can be detected as early as early six symptoms. weeks. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. If people got tested more often it would be helpful. Yeah. It would be. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask that question like like how early can you like know if you have a the disease or um, yeah, so like I said, um, six weeks is uh, there's a certain antigen that pops up in your body, um, and that can be tested, um, and usually by a blood test. But there's also some rapid screening tests um, that can detect those. Um, but as far as I know, the still the most widely used is the antibody only test, which, like I said, um, the earliest it can really detect it is about three months, and some people can take even longer to show those antibodies. And would there be any uh, symptoms, like in case people? Yeah, it's kind of really a vague thing with HIV. Most people will get flu-like symptoms, so that means they're just feeling ill, uh, feverish. Um, Some people can have kinds of sores and things like that, Mm -hmm. but it's usually pretty vague symptoms and can be just thought of as an illness. Okay. Uh, Uh, Go ahead. Um, So based on on, uh, all the information that you gave us, why is it important for women to get tested? Specifically, yeah. Um, well, I do think it's important for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am with public health, you know. <laughs> um, so to get tested, but um, like I mentioned before, without women knowing that they have HIV, um, they can be uh, more likely to give it to their unborn child. Um, women are more... Uh, in a heterosexual relationship, women are more likely to be infected by somebody um, than a male that's the <laughs> inserter, as it is in the public health world. Um, so um, that does put them at higher risk if they are engaging in high-risk sex. Well, I'm going to jump in here for just oh a God. second, maybe to crack this this nut open just a little bit further. So I can imagine there may be some listeners out there that are thinking, well, I'm a heterosexual woman and I'm in a heterosexual relationship with a man and uh, this has traditionally been a virus that has plagued the gay community and so how in the world possibly could my male partner transmit HIV to me? How me? Like, why me? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually uh, been seeing this trend in, um, where there have been um, bisexual men um, actually uh, kind of playing off the role as a heterosexual male. Uh, they've got their girlfriend, but then they also sleep with men on the side. So women, and they hide it usually pretty well, so women can be exposed and not even realize it. They think that they're doing everything right. They're in a monogamous relationship, and, you know, usually at that point people stop using condoms too, so then you're even at more risk if you don't really truly know everything that's happening in that relationship. So at that point, uh, honesty would be really important in, in the relationship, right? You know, you have to be honest with your partners and, like, explain all of these things, which must be really yeah. scary. Mm-hmm. So there is some mythology, I think, too, around the body fluids that can actually transmit the virus. I get asked all the time about, about saliva and kissing, and is mm-hmm. that a risk? No. So um, the the body fluids that cannot um, spread HIV are saliva, sweat, and tears. Um, So if you get exposed to any of those, you know, share a glass, uh, have just a regular kiss and nobody's bleeding from the gums, (laughs) um, then you're going to be just fine. Great. So, yeah, what are the fluids that can, like you know, expose you to HIV. Yeah. I know I can't name them all. Yeah. Um, so blood, 
um, semen, and that includes pre-cum, um, and then um, vaginal discharge. Yeah, breast milk, and oh, then anal milk. secretion, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, there's like five of them. That's six. all, right? Oh, no, six? Well, if you count pre-cum as a separate oh, yeah. pre-cum. Fluid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Six, <laughs> six of those fluids. That may be a test question. Right. <laughs> Maybe. So, and, and is it also true that the virus actually has to be transmitted blood to blood? In other words, if there was some fluid that had the virus in it that was... I don't know, on some clothing or on the table. Is it true that once it's exposed to oxygen, the virus dies pretty quickly? I think that's, I think that's what, I've, what I've read the latest on. Me too. I think that's what I've read, I've yeah. read the latest yeah. on. I mean, I'm not suggesting that you not treat that fluid with absolute care. It's a, right. it's a biohazard. And, right. and there's all kinds of other things that can be transmitted besides HIV, which mm-hmm. maybe we'll get a chance to talk about later. So, yeah, I was going to talk about how um, you work at Planned Parenthood, correct? No, actually, I work for Sonoma County Public Health. Okay, so what services um, do you guys provide in regards to HIV? Yeah, so um, public health, um, so I'm the HIV surveillance coordinator for Sonoma County. Um, So that means that every new case of HIV um, is actually, uh, has to be reported to me. Um, Usually it's by the lab that ends up reporting it to me. And then I make sure that that person is um, aware of their diagnosis. Sometimes that doesn't happen, Mm -hmm. especially in some ER visits where they're just in and out of there. And then um, if they have no contact information, it's my job to track them down um, and then get them connected to that care. Um, So it's proven that um, the faster someone gets their follow-up care after diagnosis, um, the more likely they're going to be um, more diligent in taking their medications and able to have a more... um, successful mm-hmm. outcome. Yeah, and like when it comes to getting tested, why is it important for people to know like the met- specific methods of getting tested? Why why should people know this? Um, so I think some people are scared uh, about maybe the turnaround time. These uh, their new screening tests just take 20 minutes, and um, some of the doctors even have it in their offices. But then there's other places in the county that offer those screening tests. Um, and so the screening tests just take 20 minutes. Um and does it, that involve blood drawing, or it's usually just um, some? Some of them are just a mouth swab, um, and then some of them are just a finger poke. Mm-hmm. Um, if I've, any of those tests, those screening tests, come back positive, then that person is going to have to get a confirmed um, blood test, and that can take a couple days to have a turnaround time, uh, maybe longer if it's over the weekend or something like that. Um, but without knowing, um, that's actually um, usually the main source of HIV, people that don't know that they have HIV, because when you don't have an idea that you have HIV, you have what's high, called a higher viral load. So you have more virus in your blood and other bodily fluids, and you're more um, capable of spreading that virus. Um, yes, I think it's really important to get tested, Ms. Um, well. uh, because, I mean, there is no cure for HIV, um, like absolutely no, no cure for it. So if you detect it sooner, then you'll be able to control it a little, a little bit more. But I feel like a lot of people don't think that they have to. So they're like, yeah, like I don't want to. Like a lot of women, especially, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, like why, why even? Like it's more like a man's like mm-hmm. disease. But I mean, it's it just doesn't make sense. Like how are you gonna do such a thing? <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, for the people in Sonoma, do people have access to only one center for the public health of Sonoma? No. Um, so there um, are a few different places that just offer screening, like uh, face-to-face offers free screening, and so does Centerpoint DAC. Um, they're usually kind of walk-in kind of deals. Uh, face-to-face is open, I think, Tuesday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then DAC is does testing, I think, on Fridays and Mondays. But they also do a mobile outreach van that goes mm-hmm. around to high-risk mm-hmm. areas. 
areas and um, offers testing. Um, and then you can also get testing just at like Planned Parenthood. Um, and really, any anybody's doctor should be able to test them for HIV. You can just ask them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a one-time HIV test, I think, has to be covered by your insurance. Mm. And, um, yeah, she was, my co-host was talking about how um, HIV is not curable, but it is treatable, isn't it? Oh, it's very treatable nowadays. It's quite amazing. Um, with um, medications, in, um, in six months, somebody can actually go from being very uh, highly contagious to actually having no virus in their blood um, so that um, the new kind of phrase is undetectable equals untransmissible. So they cannot actually transmit HIV when they get to this state of no detected virus in their um, blood. And so that includes um, any type of sex, and that includes sharing needles. So if someone actually... Um, is taking their medications properly and every day as prescribed, they can... That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I know there's... So, some people haven't heard about, like, these medications, and a lot of people, actually, I was talking to, you know, people that I know at the college and such, mm-hmm. and almost no one I talk to knows about these medications. So there's two types, right? PrEP and PEP, I believe, or for those at least. So those those are medications for people that don't already okay. have HIV. And um, so PrEP is pre-exposure prophylaxis mm-hmm. is what that stands for. And so that's a once-a-day pill that you take if you engage in high-risk behavior. So mm-hmm. um, usually that means... Um, uh, either the highest risk would be if you are in a relationship with an HIV positive partner, that mm-hmm. would be definitely a reason you might want to take PrEP because um, even their medications for HIV aren't always going to continue on working. That's why people even taking HIV medication need to continue to follow up with their doctor. Um, so that's probably the most guaranteed high-risk activity, right? But other people, um, it, it is still a recommended medication for um, men who have sex with men um, that are not in a monogamous relationship, and especially if they've um, contracted an STD mm-hmm. recently. Or if um, they're un- having unprotected sex, even, you know, mm-hmm. with people. and Yeah, yeah, and then um, also other heterosexual besides the... Uh, one partner's HIV infected, that if one partner maybe shares needles and has high-risk behaviors like that as well. And how, how, can, those, how can people who want to look seek out this medication, how can they access it? Um, so it, it can be difficult, I think, because it's still catching on. It's um, was approved, PrEP was approved since uh, 2012, and so not all providers know how to prescribe it yet. Um, there's this great website called pleaseprepme.org um, that lets you know all the places that um, know how to prescribe PrEP. Um, I believe they register themselves on the website. Um, but I know that Planned Parenthood actually does prescribe PrEP. Um, and then in Sonoma County, we have several HIV specialists, and they all are using PrEP as well. We took a field trip to Strut in San Francisco. Oh. That's the San Francisco AIDS Foundation uh, building right on Castro at 18th Street. And they gave us a tour of their facilities. And there's really an amazing program where you can walk in the door with mm-hmm. an appointment, go through all the testing, and walk out 90 minutes later with a prescription for PrEP. Yeah, they're amazing. And, and I think they actually even wow. give you a, an initial supply. I to, think they to, do, to like start, 10 days Like, like or a 10-day supply. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Unparalleled anywhere. But yeah. uh, for people who really feel some urgency around this, uh, they will serve anybody. You don't have to be a resident of San Francisco to take advantage of those services. Uh, so you might want to check that out on the website. Just search for Strud or the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, and you can look at the details there. Uh, for PrEP. Now, is it? let me just ask you this. Is, is PrEP really just designed for men, or does it work equally well for women? It does work very well for women as well. Um, they have to, everybody has to take it every day, and I believe it's one week before you um, 
have built up enough of the medication sort of in your body mm-hmm, um, to actually be protected against HIV. You can't just take it all willy-nilly. <laughs> you have to take it at the same time every day, right? Like Kind of like birth control? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you mentioned PEP too, right? Yes. Um PEP is tell me about PEP. Yeah. <laughs> so that's post exposure. Um and so PEP is uh if someone feels that they did have a high risk exposure, you know, no one's going to know for sure if they were exposed to HIV. Um, but if they go into the doctor or oftentimes it's the ER because it's, it's an urgent matter. Um, you have up to three days to get on PEP. And so PEP, you take it twice a day for a full month after you could have been exposed. And that, uh, greatly decreases your chance of actually, um, being infected. And I do believe for all medication there are side effects. Is there any side effects for PrEP and PEP? Um, you know, it's they're it's really quite a they're both mild and they don't have a lot of definitely no severe um unless I mean PrEP you do have to have some screening. It can affect your kidneys, um, but it's that's something the doctors test for um beforehand. Um, but usually pretty mild, I think, um, just regular complications like everybody, I think every medication has like nausea. And- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've heard some, I've heard some folks that some friends I know that have, that are on it and said that initially they had some stomach upset for the first few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, uh, nothing. And everybody that I've talked to said that their doctor requires them to come in every three months mm-hmm. to be tested for HIV all the STIs, mm-hmm. and for kidney function. And uh, we were talking about the fact that you're probably going to be healthier. Yeah, if you get tested oh, yeah. more often. Because exactly. of all those testings and, yeah. all, and the regular checkup that you would have with your doctor every three months, being on PrEP, as well as being able to block the virus, which mm-hmm. is terrific. I mean, it's really a cool thing. Right. And I didn't mention any numbers, but uh, PrEP is 90% effective or more um, from having HIV transmitted to you sexually and around 70% with IV drug use. Mm-hmm. How about the expenses? Like the price? I know it's pretty high. Um, yeah. It, and it can be difficult for the interns to pay for it. Of course they should, but I've heard of stories where um, the the healthcare worker has to call into the insurance and explain what is PrEP and why this patient needs the PrEP. Um, so I think it can, can take some um, convincing, uh, but it's well worth it. Um, and California is actually coming up with a... Um, Uh, <laughs> new program? A new program to help pay for PrEP. Um, so just cool. in That's the so same cool. way yeah. that they also can help with HIV medications, they have this program to help with PrEP now. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of makes sense, right? If we can get people tested and treated and bring the sort of total amount of virus in the county down, and then we can get folks on PrEP, then we there is a chance we could actually wipe this thing out, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, do you guys yeah. have a goal at um, health services? Um, at health services, we don't have a specific goal. I believe the goal for um, California Department of Public Health, um, I thought it was 2030. And then the last thing that I saw, someone mentioned 2021. So that was pretty ambitious. Um, <laughs> but I I think 20, 2030 is, uh, I think that's the goal that we're closer to <laughs> it'll be here before you know it yeah, oh, yeah. why don't we take a music break uh it and uh, we'll be back with more with miranda mm-hmm. patrick and the students from napa valley college talking about hiv and women's health issues so stay with us Billions 
never too far. What about us? What about all the times you said you had the answer? What about us? What about all the broken happy ever after? What about us? What about all the plans that ended in disaster? What about love? What about trust? What about? Problems that want to be solved. We are children that need to be loved. We were willing. We came when you called. But man, you fool. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Outbeat Radio, an Outbeat Extra Edition of Outbeat News in Depth here on KRCBFM Radio 91. I'm Greg Moralia, and I am here tonight with a studio full of live guests, some students from the Napa Valley College LGBT Studies Program that are working on their capstone project around women's health issues and HIV, and also Miranda Patrick, who is a public health nurse from the Sonoma County Department of Health Services. So welcome back, and let's continue our conversation about HIV. All right, so I'm going to go back to the topic on why people are people being educated about HIV enough. So I was going to ask you, do you think people are educated enough about HIV disease like nowadays? Because I know it started in the 1980s. 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think that people are educated enough about HIV. I think they, you know, know about the scare from the 80s and think it's really freaky. And yeah, they know that gay men get it. And I think that's kind of where it ends. They know it can kill you. Mm -hmm. And they don't know about all the amazing medications for it or like we discussed PrEP and PEP. Um, And um, I don't think that they realize how far medicine has come to be able to prevent the spread and to be able to give these people that are infected and living with HIV um, full lives. They can, if someone is infected when they are 20 and they get on those medications straight away and are faithfully taking those medications, they can live a full life not being able to transmit HIV and they have a life expectancy of 79 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so I'm going to follow up with another question. Um, that's so interesting. Uh, so do you think people are scared to get tested because they're scared to find out if they have it or no? Because I know I got tested, and even though I I was really afraid, even though I was almost like 99% like percent positive that I didn't have it, but... I mean, I was super afraid. And yeah. yeah, I think just the test itself. I have tested quite a number of people um, in the years that I've been a nurse. And yeah, it seems that even people that have almost zero risk are still really scared to find out whether or not they have HIV. And I think that stems from um, just the fact that they don't know much about it. I think, yes, uh, it is a chronic condition now, but it's a manageable condition, just like somebody with blood pressure. You know, you take a pill every single day and you have that condition managed and it's not going to kill you. I think that's a really great analogy. You know, most people can identify with the problems of high blood pressure and, you know, taking some medication. um, And it's really true. I know, I know lots of people who are HIV positive and they're certainly looking a lot healthier than I am. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious. Let's go back to the test that you took. Did you take it at Strut when we went? Yes. Thing? Only three of us took it, actually, from the class. Only three. So do you hmm. mind describing sort of the process? No, not at all. Okay, so there was a bathroom testing, uh, but I didn't want to do that. So I went with the, uh, like the uh, person who was taking care of me at the moment, and then I did the mouth and the... Because... What I was told is that you could do, like, you can do it in three ways. So you can do, like, the mouth swap, and then you could do the blood, and then you could also do the, um, they give you, like, and then you can also do, like, the um, anus, like, you can a swab. swap too as well. And then um, I did the mouth and the blood, and it was really scary. They didn't take a lot of blood out, which a lot of people, I was, well, one of the person, one of the people who I was there with trying to do the test, uh, with was really scared about the blood, but they don't really take out a lot. And it was really easy. It was really fast. It probably took to do that like two minutes and then you give the results. You don't even have, you just like put it in the little box and then they call your name and probably like 15, 25 minutes and wow, they let you know everything. And then the person, the person who talked to me about how my test results was really, really nice. He said, oh, I'm a cancer, this and that. He gave me his name. He gave me, like, he shook my hand and everything. I felt really nice. Um, and, yeah, it was really fast. It was really scared, but it, was, it wasn't scary at all at the end. Do they talk with you about prevention and risk reduction? Yes, they give you a lot of information. Um, and there are, like, a lot of pamphlets and everything uh, all over the building. There's a lot. Like, they offer you a lot, like... I believe this is like enough, and I felt like I was taken care of really well. It was really good. So, would it be easier for you to go back a second time to get a test in another six months or a year, whenever you decide to go back? <laughs> now that you've done it, yeah, of course. <laughs> It'd be super easy now that that I went there and like I know where it is, and I don't. I feel a little bit more, um, a little bit more calm. That's great. Yeah. I, I do think there's a lot of mystery around it. And so next month on Outbeat News in Depth, we are going to remove all of that mystery for you. We are going to do an entire show dedicated to the HIV testing process. We're going to have some staff from face to face here, and we are going to do a live HIV test. What it would be 
like if you went to face-to-face to get a test, the entire process from beginning to results. We're going to sort of remove all of that mystery for you, so we will hopefully make it more comfortable for folks to get in. So it's going to be a fascinating show, so mark your calendars May 27th at 8 p.m. right here on KRCB. All right, that's my plug. Go ahead. Um, you did talk about um, a long-term for curing HIV. Um, how will how would the uh, public of Health of Sonoma uh, do that, or the California? Yeah, I think right now, uh, you know, we've been searching for an actual cure, you know, or a vaccine um, since the beginning of the epidemic and uh, I don't I don't really know where we are on that so I think that now we have prep and now we have these amazing medications for the people who already are living with HIV um, I think that we are closer to eradicating it in that manner um, so that if the people that already are infected cannot pass it and they're taking their meds faithfully and then the people who may be at risk but don't really know, you know, you don't ever know if the person that you are coming into contact with is faithfully taking their medications, you can do what you can to prevent yourself from getting infected. If everybody does their own part and everybody is educated in the community and we all know that, oh, hey, you know, um, seems like you're doing some risky behaviors or something you could tell a friend you know that i heard that there's this amazing medication that can actually prevent you from getting hiv Whoa. wouldn't that be great <laughs> um so i think that the more the people are educated about it and the more the word spreads the higher the chances are that we can actually eradicate hiv i don't know if 2030 will be there but let's hope yeah. and do you think it would be cured uh, once and for all by that by then you know, I I don't really know because um, other countries don't have the same access that we do. Um, so it could be just like something like measles where, you know, we get a random case or something like that. Um, because I just, until the whole world can have access, it can't be eradicated from the whole world. Exactly. We're very lucky. We have a lot of access from where we live. We do. Yeah. Is it also? Oh, sorry. Is it also positive? Um, I mean, possible to uh, for the HIV um, infection to become immune to PrEP or PEP? Um, you know, I haven't heard a lot about that. Um, it can um, build resistance to somebody's HIV medications if they're not taking them properly. If they're taking them, you know, a couple times a week or couple times a month and you just take one or two pills in a row, then that virus learns how to not be affected by that pill that you're taking. And then you have to take different pills. And, um, you know, we only have a limited supply, so it could actually build resistance. And um, people say it's like, it's pretty easy to take the, you know, prep and pep. Like, what's that like? Is it just like once a day? Like, what's, how does that work? Yeah, the prep is just uh, once a day, um, and it's every day while you are thinking that you're at risk. You can't just stop taking it because you're like, oh, well, that was that one relationship. But if you're going to continue to uh, go along with your high-risk behaviors, then you need to continue to taking prep because it does, like I said, take a week to actually build up that um, initial Resistant, mm-hmm. I mean, or, like, yeah, um, levels in your blood to actually be able to fight off the HIV, um, and then PEP is uh, twice a day um, for 28 days after exposure. But somebody that is continuing having to take PEP probably just would be better off no, taking, taking PrEP, prep. Exactly. <laughs> a day instead of two. <laughs> You're so, gonna ask a question. Do you think there will be a cure before? Um, it could be wiped out or that it will be wiped out, like with the medications? Um, yeah, I I don't, I haven't really heard much in the, in the way of a cure. I think our, our best hope right now is the, the medications. For everyone to work together? Yes. Um, yeah, go okay. ahead. Um, okay, so, all right. I think... I believe that people don't really notice how bad it can get. HIV can affect anyone regardless of sexual orientation, race, ethnicity, gender, or age. 
Um, I feel like not a lot of people understand that. Um, but but is there like a certain community that's at higher risk? Because I know the latest um, the latest um, test that it was done, it was 1.5 million people in the U.S. 1.5 million people were affected at the end of 2015, which that means is like 15% of the entire um, U.S. And then one out of seven people know that they have it. But yeah, I feel like some groups are more exposed to it depending on the way they live and um, their behavior and all of that. Or even their communities, you know? Their communities, yeah. Yeah, uh, so statistically, um, like Greg said, the MSM, which means men who have sex with men, and they phrase it that way because it's men who have sex with men exclusively, so uh, as normally people would call that gay, or bisexual men who have sex with men and women, um, they are at the highest risk, not, you know, they're not more likely to get it just from being exposed than anybody else who is exposed. Um, it's just there is a higher prevalence in the MSM community. Um, they are the highest amount of diagnosed um, population, and they continue to have the highest number of new cases. Um, and then um, something that has been a new trend is that um, there has been an increase in Hispanic men. Um, this the rates of HIV are staying kind of pretty steady, but Hispanic men are taking a, a greater burden of that percentage. Um, and then something scary is that it's also um, increasing in men between 25 and 35 years old. Mm -hmm. um, so they're taking a higher chunk of that. Any guesses well. about what's going on there? Oh, it's hard to say, but I think that... Um, there, I don't know if there's been an increase in anonymous sex, but it's definitely easier to access with sure. with apps and things like that. You know, you just get on your phone and can find somebody to hook up with. Really quick. Like, can I be honest really fast? Um, so, to be honest, I believe that the um, the risk of Hispanic men like getting HIV um, isn't happening because a lot of Hispanic people are very reserved and they don't they don't really want to be out there um, because I'm Hispanic and my family is Hispanic, my entire family. So um, since I was a child, I've been taught to be super reserved. Like, no, like, don't look at that, it's wrong. And then, like, that's too much for you to handle. No, that can't, like, even for mental health or, like, all of that, which I'm, I know it's not about this topic, but... Just trying to throw it out there. But for absolutely anything, they believe that they can cure it at home or things like that. And it's just so it's, yeah, frustrating, it's, right? It's that, it's that fear that really, um, when the people instill fear in people, that's when you stop. You know, you're afraid to get education on these things mm -hmm. or you're afraid to, um, you know, look more into them. And that's what we're trying to clear well, it's up. A good, I, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it. it's safe to say it's a cultural thing, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, particularly in communities where religion plays a big part. Mm. And so homo internalized homophobia mm -hmm. is keeping people away from, you know, getting informed. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to make a plug for face-to-face -face while we're talking about places to go get tested. Um, it's a very safe place, Tuesday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 4.30. You can walk in. You don't even have to give your name. You can get it tested absolutely anonymously and given your results orally without giving your name. And so if you are one of those people who is afraid of being tested or in a family where, you know, you can't tell anybody that you need to go in and get tested, no one needs to know. There are places, yeah. Just go. 873 2nd Street in downtown Santa Rosa. Um, we've got a few minutes left, and I wanted to really talk about also um, the other STIs and the rates of new infections. We've covered that in our new segment a couple of times in the last couple months here. Some alarming rates of of chlamydia and gonorrhea and syphilis happening in Sonoma County. What's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that is, again, linked back to um, could be anonymous sex in those apps. But um, I think people, you know, maybe weren't, I don't, I don't know, but... Um, 
the problem with a lot of those STDs is especially for women, uh, they don't have any symptoms. So I think it's about uh, 70% of women with chlamydia have absolutely no symptoms. Really? And then it's uh, about 50% with gonorrhea. They have no symptoms. And I think a lot of the times in heterosexual relationships, it's the women that are going in for their pap smears and their birth control and they're getting tested. And so um, if they're not having symptoms and they're not getting tested, then no one's finding out whether they have anything. Um, and then syphilis is has been increasing in incredible amounts. Um, and it's just a sneaky one. It's called the great intimate, uh, in, oh gosh. Impersonator? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, it's got all kinds of symptoms. You can get sores wherever you're exposed. So usually on your genitals, can be in your mouth. Um, you can get just a rash and that rash doesn't itch and then it goes away and all the symptoms come and then they just go away. Um, so you get a rash, then it goes away and it didn't itch. So great, it's gone. Uh, people can get, um, genital warts and then after a few months, they go away. So great. And you don't fine, have it right? anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, the problem with syphilis is that it's not ever gone until you get it treated. Um, so amazingly, it's still treated by penicillin. Um, and the crazy part about syphilis is, and the scary thing is that, um, women that have it, um, and then become pregnant, it can affect their unborn child. It can, Mm. um, actually cause an abortion. It can cause severe deformities, um, and sometimes when the baby's born, they don't even realize that it's happened. Um, it can happen a little bit in later in years that they realize something's wrong. And then, I mean... I think you're fine. I think it would be hard to figure that out, too. That and, syphilis, child... and syphilis is one of those that's not you know, just an annoyance. It can kill you if oh, yeah. it's left untreated, right? Right. Um, well, one of the faster ways it can kill you is it can cause meningitis at any point in time after you get it. Um, but it can also cause blindness um, at any point in time. And um, the the people that are generally killed by it, um, they've had it for 20, 30 years. Um, and at that point, syphilis can attack any organ in your body. It's usually your heart and your brain um, and cause severe uh, damage to those organs, which obviously are vital. So there's a reason they say to get tested, guys. Yes. So so run down some of the basic symptoms, uh, folks, men and women, but we're talking about women tonight, should Mm -hmm. be looking for. I know you said that sometimes there are no symptoms, but but what are those things that you might overlook specifically that you should be cued to go in and get tested? Yeah, gonorrhea and chlamydia are easy ones if you are having symptoms. It's usually burning when you pee or a change in the color of discharge, usually yellow or green. Um, and then with syphilis, um, a classic symptom, like I said, that rash. But if you ever have a rash on your palms of your hands, you might very well have syphilis. <laughs> um, and definitely those warts that go away because genital warts don't just go away. And these types of warts from syphilis do. So that would be a key indicator that that was syphilis. But a lot of the times the women um, might not see those sores because they could be um, inside places where they're not going to see them. Right, right. And and you should be talking and looking over your partner if it's a yes. new partner, right? I mean, that's a basic preventative measure is just have a conversation. It may not be the most romantic thing mm-hmm. in the world to talk about. But but it is an important one about when you were last tested. Have you ever been diagnosed with any of these, right? Definitely. Yeah, I think that conversation could save a lot of people a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah I think people sure. are scared to be honest. Just be honest. You're, people are very scared to be honest because they think they're going to insult the other person. But what do you prefer? Insult mm-hmm. the other person or you get it yourself. Just Think about it a little bit more. I don't know. Better to be safe than sorry. So yeah. those other those other tests do require a blood draw, right? Um, gonorrhea and chlamydia can be tested just by um, urine. Um, if you're having other types of sex, like uh, oral sex, you're going to need a throat swab um, or uh, anal swab. Um, and um, syphilis is still just a blood test. There are rapid tests out there, but it still requires blood. Fantastic.
Fantastic. Uh, well, we're going to take another quick music break, and then we're going to come back and wrap up, and we'll give you some information about where you can go to learn more about uh, getting tested. We'll be right back. We've got just about a minute left. We've got one final question. So what can people do to spread awareness of HIV? Um, I think the first step is definitely getting educated and educated from the right sources. So I always find the best sources, even for me as a nurse, to be the CDC. So that's at cdc.gov. And then our own California Health Department website has great information. Um so that's just CDPH. Um, and so I think that's important because there's just way too many myths out, out there in the world on the Internet. You type in anything and you'll get anybody's answer to it. Especially like WebMD or something like that. Yeah, Mayo Clinic's another good one. Um, and WebMD, I, yeah, I struggle with sometimes. <laughs> Great. Well, unfortunately, our hour is up, so I want to thank all of you for coming in tonight and sharing this valuable information with us about HIV. And if you're a woman out there listening, it's time to go in and get tested. And if you want to listen about uh, the test itself and have that demystified for you, join us next month on May 27th at 8 p.m. right here on KRCB-FM. Tune in next week to Outbeat Radio's Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. That is also at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB Radio 91. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. Podcasts of our programs are available for on-demand play on our website at OutbeatNews.com and on iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates from Outbeat Radio News all month long. Online or on the go, you're listening to Radio 91, 91.1 KRCB-FM Windsor, and 90.9 K215CQ Santa Rosa. It is just before 9 p.m. Stay with us. Afropop is next. living life on the merry-go-round. You can't find a fighter. But I see it in you, so we can walk it out. We gon' walk it out and move on day.